You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. They've stayed the course as good as any group I've ever been with. It's been impressive. There were not, there were not hardly any distractions and not many glitches. And I say not many, less than a handful of whether it was a sleep in or a missed breakfast kind of a deal. I've appreciated this group a lot. And I'm thinking that that has a chance to pay real dividends in, in what this thing's all about. I mean, I bet the public is excited to see us. But, um, yeah, we gonna, it's going to be fun. Uh, we got a lot of great things. I feel like we gonna, defense is definitely going to bring the energy. We, that's what we plan on doing, bringing energy, playing a lot of, a lot of shutdown football, honestly. So we should, we should be good. I'm really anxious to see it in a game and be efficient, run, run action, good third down stuff, good red zone stuff. I'm excited about it but I also know it has to be out there and be done against other people. And welcome here to the Husker Online Show. We are just a week away now from Nebraska, Arkansas State. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. Guys, we've made it. We are here. Game week approaches. Black shirts will be handed out. Depth charts are going out. I mean, it's it's kind of, this has been the longest week to me. It was fourth week of camp and they've extended camp. This is kind of where I was like, man, Robin, the well has dried up. But finally, we are here to game week. And as we kind of look at the big picture, guys, of this camp as a whole, I thought the thing that jumped out to me was just how drama-free it really was. There wasn't that big major injury. Javon McQuitty was an injury, but he wasn't going to be a key guy. Chris Jones, that happened before camp started. Uh, but there really wasn't a lot of just drama or, you know, guys transferring or things like that that happened. And you heard Mike Riley kind of address that, Robin, there in the open. Well, I mean, just especially compared to a year ago when <laughs> obviously things got off to the worst start possible with the passing of Sam Foltz. And then you had the Keith Williams situation. And so uh, to talk about a complete difference in just, like you said, a drama-free camp. That's been a very nice change for Mike Riley, I'm sure. And um, as a result, I think that they've really gotten some good football work in. I mean, that's kind of been the one thing that he said every time he's talked to us is, um, you know, they got a good day. Like, he's never been disappointed with the effort or the execution or anything like that in practice. And especially when you add in another full week of fall camp with the elimination of two-a-days, that was a big concern. Uh, was just keeping guys dialed in and focused um, in an extra, you know, week of just kind of mundane fall camp work and um, you know now they finally get to close the book on camp this week and uh, focus their full attention to a, an actual opponent and that's when you know you really see that resurge of energy and guys start getting excited about actually hitting somebody else for change well I just can't believe how energized everyone seems to be and, and uh, I mean you, you look at the coaching staff you know a lot of times towards the end of fall camp guys you can see the wear and tear on guys you know uh, Mike Riley would look a little tired and, and, and he's he's happy he's always got a smile on his face uh, and so do all the players I mean everyone seems to to be completely energized and, and ready to go and uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with no drama I mean if, if the biggest things you're dealing with is a guy missing a breakfast or a guy accidentally sleeping in here or there um that's that's a good fall camp yeah, it's been very efficient as we we discuss here through the storylines uh they've even gotten to the point where they've given tanner lee rest uh mick stoltenberg was rested obviously with the concussion protocol i mean it's almost like they've treated it like nfl robin how some of these guys that they know who they are what they are how good they're going to be they've, they've almost rested guys at points because Five weeks is a lot of time to it get is. ready for a game. Especially when you're essentially going every single day. And, you know, while they're not doing the 
physical grind of two a days. I mean, having a practice of some sort, essentially every single day, uh, that wear that wears on you kind of mentally as much as anything. And so I think that it's smart to give guys just kind of a, a, a break to step away, uh, kind of refresh the battery a little bit and, um, also play it safe too. Um, you know, just to eliminate the wear and tear, you know, you mentioned, you know, guys like Tanner Lee and, uh, Mick, Trey Bryant's another guy they've been really careful with, uh, just not to over, uh, exude guys that may be dealing with something. And so, uh, it's, it's been a real unique fall. I mean, just for the, the, the change of the schedule, um, but I think in the end, Nebraska probably likes it. Um, you know, it's hard on us just to come up with things to talk about. But uh, as far as, you know, uh, being able to get a lot of good, efficient, quality work in, uh, this has been a much better setup than, you know, having to pack everything, you know, into a couple of days of two a days and, um, you know, worrying about the wear and tear guys are going to take, you know, from those long days of practices. Yeah, that extra week, I, I initially thought, okay, this is an extra week for something bad to happen because every, every day that you go out, out there there's a potential for for something bad to happen and and knock on wood it's been a pretty quiet camp in that regard so um and i know everyone's excited to, to finally get into that game week now school has started uh and and the rest of the team has kind of joined practice there and uh everyone's kind of getting into their normal routines at sean callahan robin washett nate klaus as we talk storylines here as fall camp officially over now game week next week as the huskers open up with arkansas state uh some business though to get to as far as scholarships captains uh mike riley announced six walk-ons were given scholarships uh this week as classes began at unl cole conrad nebraska starting center out of fremont bergen uh, will be placed on scholarship nebraska starting fullback luke McNabb out of Kearney. Tyler Hoppus, they're starting tight end. So you've got three in-state kids as starters now uh, put on scholarship. Then Connor Ketter, um, who will play tight end in different packages, a senior out of Norfolk Catholic. Gabe Braun, um, a married senior out of um, <laughs> Iowa, great kid. Um, he uh, picked up his uh, scholarship here in his final season, as did Brett Clausen, another senior wide receiver, Robin. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of guys that you would expect to see on that list, um, you know, the interesting Cole Conrad is the only junior. Um, the rest are seniors, and so that speaks, you know, once again, uh, even more to how much they think of Cole Conrad and his elevation um, in that offensive line, Luke McNitt, he was their lifter of the year, uh, so no surprise there. Hoppus, you know, we've he's already been dubbed the greatest receiving tight end Mike <laughs> Riley's ever had, and he hasn't even played it live down yet. So, um, so the maybe the one Brian uh, Reimers, yeah, the, that one kind of question mark is what's the deal with Brian Reimers? He's, yeah, Nate, what is that with recruiting? Does it have to do with recruiting and in, in the numbers of the class? I mean, is that your read on him not getting a scholarship? Yeah, that'd be my read on it at least right now. I, I think that. It comes down to the numbers and and what they want to take at the position. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't think that it's a, a slight on Rymers by any means. I, I know Keith Williams loves Brian Rymers and and he's obviously contributed and and was probably in the discussion. Uh, but uh, you know, I think it's a little safer to go with uh, giving the scholarship to some seniors instead of tying it up for a couple more years. And here's what here's I mean, he could still get one, but I think when you get put on in the fall, you're on for good at that point. So he got one on second semester last semester. Technically, he's not on right now. I'd imagine he'd go back on again second semester, then get one in the fall. So if you broke it down in four semesters, he'd be covered in three of the four yep. um, or even four of the five semesters, yeah, four the five. depending on how long he needs to graduate and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, he, you feel, though, for him because he's practically a starter and, and he uh, wasn't announced, but. 
That is the business of big-time college football. Yeah, and Mike Riley mentioned that. He called it a great balancing act between earning it and deserving it and then the numbers of scholarships they have available. So I guarantee you that's the situation right now. I mean, the fact that he's a junior, you know, I mean, generally in these situations, it's usually all seniors unless there's a guy like a Cole Conrad who you just— Brandon Riley yeah, got Brandon one a Riley. sophomore year. Caputo got one a sophomore yeah, so, year, too. I mean, too. There, there are exceptions to the rule, but I think this is just a situation where Reimers is kind of a, a casualty of the numbers game. And, um, you know, like you said, Sean, I think they have a plan for him. And and to be fair, Mike Riley said they aren't necessarily done. Um, that Given out scholarships, there's still some guys they're discussing. So maybe Brian Reimers is one of those guys uh, that they, they have two more they could potentially give out, right? They could give out as many as eight. Yes. Is that right? So uh, they have two more at their disposal. And so I guess there's still a window that he could get one. But right now, I think that that plan you laid out, Sean, is probably what's going to happen. And you had some other seniors, but like a guy like Harrison Jordan, who's lettered twice, wasn't even on the 105. So, you know, a guy like that was deserving, but, you know, didn't actually make the camp 105 this year because of the fullback position and how it's changed. So it is a tough deal. Uh, because all these guys have given a lot to Nebraska, these fifth-year senior walk-ons that got put on, and and you, you, their families have made sacrifices. Um, you know, in Gabe Ron's case, paying out-of-state tuition from Iowa to walk on here for the last five years um, to get that fourteen hundred dollar a month uh, off-campus check for this last year. It's it's the least Nebraska can do for what these kids have sacrificed the last five years. Well, especially since Gabe Ron is is married, <laughs> you know, he, he'd be able to to have that the cost of attendance or whatever the check is called uh, to kind of go go back home there. But I always like the the stories that kind of come out of, of these deals. You know, you got Tyler Hoppus who uh, transferred from Wayne State to Nebraska and now is being put on scholarship and uh, things like that. Are, they're always kind of fun to to see how excited these guys are and, and to see you know how everyone kind of has a, a different path. All right, we got a full show on tap here. We're gonna- going to talk offensive and defensive storylines here in our next two segments as we give you our full take on both units here on the Husker Online Show. We'll take your questions in the mailbag and we'll get Nate's take on the latest in the world of Husker recruiting. That's all next here on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Great group of guys. There's actually other guys that are at this point still under consideration you know there is a a big balancing act between dessert you know earning it deserving a scholarship and then uh, number we might have available for next year mid-year so there's lots of uh, factors that go into this but these guys are are guys that have done a great job in the program and have, have earned a scholarship and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. You just heard us earlier talk about uh, the scholarship players, the walk-ons that got put on scholarship. That was Mike Riley uh, giving his thoughts on Thursday after he announced the six players uh, that were put on scholarship. But we're talking offense here now, guys, as camp has come to an end. Uh, we are now in game week. They began game preparations for Arkansas State. And let's start with quarterback. Um, you know, Tanner Lee's already been kind of rested. He's the franchise guy. I mean, they're really taking care of him. The bigger question still remains that number two spot. And, you know, it's interesting that they've let this thing linger on. Uh, but th- to be fair, they haven't said anybody's going to redshirt yet. And I-, I think they want that O'Brien. Tristan Jebby a competition to really go on. Yeah, and I think that was the message um, for the, the whole intent of this whole deal. I mean, I think just from a practical standpoint, it didn't make much sense at all to play Tristan Jebbia this year. I think it was mostly just kind of to stoke the fire of competition to get it back to where it was in the spring, um, you know, especially after a starter was named. Uh, you know, I, I would be 
very, very surprised at this point if they do go ahead and play Tristan Jebbia this year. Um, but, you know, like, like you said, Sean, I think that if nothing else, it really kind of um, reinvigorated just the uh, competitive spirit within that room and um, got guys to kind of step their game up when maybe it was slacking a little bit this fall. Yeah, that's, that's my take on the whole deal, too, is that Danny Langsdorf and, and Coach Riley just kind of wanted to, to rattle the cages a little bit there and, and, you know, not let anybody get a little too comfortable there uh, because we all saw how sharp Patrick O'Brien was in the spring when, when that was a competition between he and Tanner Lee. And, um, you know, and, and now, you know, once Tanner was named a starter, I think that, you know, maybe he, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if coasting was, is the right word, but, uh, definitely I think you're, you're a little sharper when you know that someone's pushing you or when that, when the coaches are looking at something as a competition. As we move now over to running back, that also remains a question. And I have a lot of different theories on this. For the record, I still think Trey Bryant will end up being the number one guy based on what I've seen, what I know, what I've heard, but Divino Zigbo has had a good camp. Mikhail Wilbon always flashes. And Jalen Bradley's been, I, w- I won't say a surprise, but he's really added to that competition. And they've kept this thing open. And I, I think one theory I have is you, you don't want anyone to leave. And I, I think by letting this thing go all the way into the fifth week now and, and not really naming much after four, um, it keeps everybody hungry. It keeps the competition going. And it also prevents a guy from maybe looking for a uh, plan B if Nebraska is not really a place where he's going to get a lot of carries. Yeah, I'm with you. Trey's the guy in my mind. And if you remember last year, it was the exact same situation. And eventually Terrell Newby just kind of took the reins of that job and became kind of their feature running back. Uh, but my question is, you know, I know Trey said that, um, you know, he's been held out this fall for precautionary need, uh, reasons just to kind of give that knee a rest. Um, his durability, though, uh, I think that's something that, you know, is still kind of an unknown right now. Can he be that workhorse guy? Will his knee allow him to be the guy that carries the ball, you know, 25, 30 times if necessary? Um, that's just something we just don't know. And so um, until he kind of goes out there and proves that he can withstand that type of workload, uh, I expect there to be a pretty you know heavy rotation that's going to be, you know, uh, basically determined on down distance and game situation because all three, maybe even four of those guys bring something different to the table that um, I wouldn't be surprised if Nebraska just kind of relies on all their individual talents until, you know, a guy like Trey or maybe someone else uh, shows and proves that he's capable of taking the reins as that number one workhorse back. Yeah, I'm kind of on board with your theory there, Sean. I think there's when the depth chart is released, I think there's going to be a lot of oars there. It's just a big, big set of oars. Yeah, I mean Trey Bryant or Divine Zigbo or Mikael Wilbon, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, you know, and, and I think it is to kind of keep everyone happy, keep everyone on board. Uh, but at the same time, I truly do think that you know all these guys do different things well, and and there isn't uh, anyone who's really separated from the pack. I, I do think maybe Trey Bryant has the the edge there, but you know we've seen uh, Divino Zigbo do some really nice things, and and of course Mikel Wilbon is flash. I, I think this is this is a huge year for for Wilbon in my opinion. I mean um, we we all have talked about you know his struggles in the past. I, I think this is the year that he either shows us that, that he's for real, that he's what we thought he was coming out of high school, or or he's just going to kind of become you know, the next Adam Taylor, so to speak. So, um, you know, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Reggie Davis kind of handles this going forward. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, and A. Klaus as we talk offensive storylines. So let's go over to receiver. Um, the big thing to me is depth and durability. We know Stanley Morgan, DeMornay Pearsonell. Uh, J.D. Spielman, that's kind of your starting three. And then Tyjon Lindsey, Brian Reimers, 
um, are kind of your next two. And then after that, you know, Keon Williams is hurt with a hammy. Gabe Braun, um, you know, is going to probably get in there a little bit as well. Um, but after that top four to five, it kind of drops off at this point. Well, I mean, just look at it now. I mean, Nebraska right now going into the season, uh, three of their top six receivers have yet to play a single game snap in a Nebraska uniform. Uh, so inexperience is the overriding theme for this group. Yes, they feel really good about their starters. Uh, Stanley Morgan, DeMornay, Pearsonell, and now what looks to be J.D. Spielman moving into that number one slot spot. They really like that trio. But the issue is, can those inexperienced, you know, a uh, group of basically Tyjon Lindsay and a bunch of walk-ons um, step up and provide capable depth? And that's that's going to be a huge question. Um, you know, obviously they feel good about Gabe Ron, just put on scholarship. Uh, Brian Reimers was a guy that is, you know, one of their most experienced players um, returning this year. Um, you know, and then they like Connor Young a lot too. I mean, he's a, he's a playmaker that is kind of on the rise as, you know, maybe that that next uh, former walk-on that, that rises up the depth chart. So um, Mike Riley seemed confident on Thursday when he was asked about that, um, just about, you know, they got a lot of unknowns there, but what they've seen so far over the spring and in fall camp, uh, they feel a lot more comfortable about the depth behind that top group at receiver than maybe a lot of other people do. Yeah, to me, a guy like Connor Young is is – could potentially be the key to this group, you know, to, to get some production out of him uh, would be huge. It would take some pressure off of the, the rest of the group there uh, because, like you said, you, you, we know what they have with Stanley and, and uh, DPE. Uh, J.D. Spielman has, has had a terrific camp and is coming off of a, you know, scout team player of the year as a redshirt freshman. So, um, you know, he's an electric player. But if you can get solid production out of a Connor Young, a Gabe Ron, and Brian Reimers, um, that would definitely make things a lot easier. I want to give time to offensive line, so we're not going to really say anything on tight end. We know uh, Tyler Hoppus is the guy, and, and he's going to really have a big role in this offense. But you look at this offensive line, that to me, guys, is the key to the whole thing on this offense. Is Nick Gates capable to kind of have that year he needs? David Neville, the two tackles. Tanner Farmer, Gerald Foster, can they really solidify the interior? And is Cole Conrad going to be an upgrade uh, from what they had a year ago uh, with Dylan Utter. I, I think that group and then the depth behind them, uh, there's a lot of questions on this line as we get into the season. Yeah, on paper, you should feel really good about it. I mean, this is a, now a veteran group that's played a lot of football together. Um, and then, like you said, you know, a lot of people view Cole Conrad as an upgrade at the center position. I mean, he's a guy that is one of the most versatile linemen uh, in the entire group uh, who is quickly, I mean, he basically moved into the, the role midway through spring ball and never look back as the starter. So he's firmly cemented himself as the guy. And, um, you know, Nate, you, you were in with Gerald Foster the other day, and he said that this entire group, you know, the, from Nick Gates to Foster to Farmer to Neville, they all look to Cole Conrad as the guy to be the voice on the field. So they, they really like um, his progression there and what he brings to that center position. But, um, you know, this the reality is this is a group that played awful football the last time they were on the field together in an actual game, and that goes for two games in a row. Uh, so they got a lot to prove. And, you know, you can talk about how, you know, the cohesiveness and how much much improved everybody is, uh, how much stronger you are and in shape you are. But until you go out there and prove it, that will be the biggest X factor for this season, Sean. You're right. There, there's not a bigger um, question facing Nebraska than the play of the offensive line in 2018, 17. Well, and, I, and I think that poor play with the way they ended the season has been kind of a driving factor towards everything they've done since that point in time and, and I think you look no further than coach Kavanaugh he 
has been extra fired up during this uh, this fall camp. I mean, he is coaching with a, with a chip on his shoulder. He's talking with the media, kind of with a chip on his shoulder, and uh, and I think that he has really put a you know a sense of urgency with all these guys and and I think that's also helped build some depth there this is they finally have some depth some legitimate depth and I think that's going to help this unit well it'll be interesting to see how that all comes together when we come back we're going to shift our discussion over to defense as Bob Diaco has really put his personality on this thing we'll talk about all that next here you're listening to the Husker Online show This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Him and Coach Riley, like, it's a good balance because, like, him and Coach Riley, I see personality-wise, like, Coach Riley, not going to see him yelling or eye bulging too many times. But Coach Diaco, he he had jumped down through in, in a quick second. So it's a good energy. And at the same time, I, like, I respect that because like, that's, that's the type of coach that gets the best out of his players because he demands it. So we all just we got we to match it or we, we got to accept the consequences. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus. That was Lamar Jackson. I asked him this week about the counterbalance of Mike Riley uh, and Bob Diaco. And to me, that has been one of the bigger stories. Just how opposite the approach of this defensive staff is as we talk defensive storylines. And it starts with Bob Diaco. The guy is wired differently uh, but the players have seemed to bought in, um, you know, and, and there's an intensity and an edge that he brings out there every single day to that practice field. And it really is a complete opposite to Mike Riley, but it's kind of something you want, I think, Robin. You want that good cop, bad cop. Yeah, I think that was a very important um, development that happened, uh, you know, with the removal of Mark Banker, who was, in my opinion, too much like Mike Riley. I mean, they knew each other too well. There was, like, so much comfort there, and there really wasn't much of a difference in how the message was delivered, uh, you know, from when Mike Riley talked to when Mark Banker talked. But now, like you said, you get a 100 degree flip polar opposite uh, of personality in Bob Diaco and I think just having someone um, deliver it with a different intensity and a different style that helps things process with young guys uh, because you're hearing it from a a bunch of different voices and I'll go even further the staff that they've assembled around Bob Diaco I think is able to translate those messages in their own ways Uh, I mean you got a variety of just very contrasting personalities within that defensive coaching staff and I think that's a very important thing uh, especially in a time of such major transition right now uh, to have so many different voices that are able to explain things in ways that no matter who you're talking to, guys are going to be able to understand it. Yeah, I, I kind of equate it to to a college class that, that maybe was super boring, you know, a, a lecture <laughs> where you just like are trying to stay awake. You know, you don't have to worry about staying awake with Bob Diaco and John Perella and Dante Williams and Trent Bray. I mean, these guys bring the energy and uh, and they've I think they've made it fun. These guys have completely bought into to uh, what they're what they're coaching, what the system is, and they're I think they're genuinely excited each and every day to to go out there and get better and, and to to keep improving and, and to learn you know what they're coaching, what they're teaching. But let's fly down. We're going to talk depth chart now on defense and kind of just give a rundown of who we think the starters are. I'm just going to throw out what I think uh, defensive line is going to be, um, and I'll let you guys kind of chime in. 
as far as what you think. Obviously, Mick Stoltenberg will start at nose. Carlos Davis, Freedom Akamaladun at defensive ends. Uh, I think the bigger question will be who will be those backups. And we know Khalil Davis is going to be in the games a lot. Uh, DeAndre Thomas, Damian Daniels, I think those are two. Uh, and then maybe Peyton Newell to an extent would be a, a fourth guy that could work in there at that number two group right now. Yeah, that's pretty much how I have it too. I think um, the, the good news is they have guys like Khalil Davis who can play inside or out. Um, and you can say the same thing about a number of those different guys. Carlos could play the nose if necessary. And then I, I do think those two true freshmen, um, particularly DeAndre Thomas, I mean, right now, uh, if I were to say he's probably your number two nose right now. I mean, with with Mick being out, you know, a week ago, uh, he was the number one nose. And so that kind of says a lot about how quickly he's risen up this depth chart. And then Damian Daniels, um, he may be a step or two behind where DeAndre is right now, just as far as his progression, but um, certainly is a guy that I think has the capability to play and have an impact in the rotation this season. Yeah, I think it's going to be those guys in that two deep. And, and I think what excites me about that group is is the overall versatility. I mean, you guys mentioned it with uh, with Carlos and Khalil. I mean, both those guys, I think, could be interchangeable uh, across the board. Um, you know, and then, of course, those freshmen, too, have really flashed. And, and I think that just that added depth, you know, for, for John Perella to be able to kind of uh, rotate through guys and, and kind of uh, roll a bunch of bodies out there and keep guys fresh is going to be a big for those. And I forgot to mention Ben Stilley, too. I think he's mm-hmm. a name based on the camp he's had the, that you might want to keep tabs on. Now, moving on, linebacker um, inside, I think, is pretty set with Chris Weber and Dedrick Young. But both Avery Roberts and Muhammad Berry, particularly Muhammad Berry, uh, I think are getting a lot of snaps. And then at the outside linebacker spots, Alex Davis would be the dog. Um, cat. The cat. Gosh, dang it. Uh, the, <laughs> the cat. We'll and then get it. The dog would be uh, Luke Gifford um, Marcus and Marcus Newby. But Mar- Marcus Newby probably number one, but almost a co-number one deal. Um, the backup to Alex Davis right now appears to be Cedric King. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'm not concerned at all about the depth at three of those four linebacker positions, but um, that cat is kind of the biggest question mark, in my opinion, on this entire defense. Obviously, Alex Davis has a ton of athletic potential, but this has been as big of a learning process for him as any position on this entire defense. And so um, there will be bumps in the road and how quickly those are resolved, I think, is going to be huge. And then uh, after him, you know, you got a guy in Cedric King who's kind of been in no man's land since he's been here. Um, He just hasn't been able to make any sort of impact and so you're relying on a guy that just hasn't played a lot of football or especially not a lot of productive football Uh, so that's probably if I were to put a red flag on any position on this entire defense that cat linebacker spot is the biggest one for me yeah as a group I think it's a really strong and talented group but yeah that, that cat linebacker position is is kind of worrisome um you know and when you look at Alex Davis you know, this is a kid who who his first year playing football was his senior year of high school he was a basketball player before that um you know and now he's he came to Nebraska played defensive end now he's transitioning to uh kind of operating in space and, and being a linebacker and a guy that can rush the passer so um yeah he has had a big learning curve there and and I think that's why that position's been so big recruiting wise so important recruiting wise to get more bodies and more uh, the type of athletes that they want there. Now, moving on, as we talk defensive depth chart, looking in the secondary uh, corner right now, Lamar Jackson is the number one guy overall. He'll be kind of their their leader, but uh, kind of a co-one with Eric Lee, DiCaprio Boodle. Those will be the three main guys. I think Tony Butler and then um, Jeremiah Stovall would be kind of the next group in um, to an extent. And then safety right now, they're fairly deep right there at that position. Uh, Aaron Williams, and then Joshua Kalu, 
Uh, but you have Kyron Williams, Antonio Reed, two players that have started games before at Nebraska behind them. Um, so they're deep at, at safety, but obviously the questions still remain at corner. Yeah, I throw Avery Anderson in that cornerback conversation too. Uh, I think that he's definitely in contention um, to be maybe in that second group. Um, but, but, you know, I, I think that what's going to be interesting is what they do at that other corner spot uh, with Eric Lee and DiCaprio Boodle, because I don't think there's a whole lot of separation there. Uh, and that's been a really good competition to the point where Dante Williams basically says they have three starters for two cornerback spots. And so, I mean, um, while it looked like a pretty bleak situation when Chris Jones went down, uh, I think that they feel a whole lot better about the depth that has developed over the course of fall camp, um, you know, with some of those younger guys rising to the occasion. Yeah, that's that's definitely the spot to to keep an eye on there in the secondary is, is between Eric Lee and, and DiCaprio Boodle. And I think Lee is probably more of your your technician, the guy that is more technically sound. And then Boodle is probably just a little bit better of an athlete, maybe a little little faster, uh, has a, a few more tools to work with. But uh, my bet would be on Lee being the starter. But I think we'll see plenty of Boodle as the season goes along. All right, well, that wraps up our talk here on the defense as – uh, we should get a full depth chart, black shirt information this week. We'll learn a lot more kind of uh, on where things go as Nebraska approaches game week. But uh, we come back, we're going to take your questions on several different topics here in the mailbag as Husker Online intern David Eichold will join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We kept Tanner out of throwing today. He ran a lot of a lot of the run plays, a lot of the the checks at the line of scrimmage, the alerts at the line of scrimmage. But he didn't throw today, just to give his arm a rest. So that meant, of course, that Patrick and Tristan got a lot of throwing. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and uh, we're pleased to bring in our intern David Eichold as the mailbag is back in full swing and. Uh, we had a good one last week. What do you got for us this week, David? Uh, what characteristic would best define this team? I, I, I like the one that there's not much drama. Um, I, I think when you go through a coaching change like Nebraska went through two years ago with a very divisive figure like Bo Pelini, um, I, I think when you know Mike Riley at times had his hands full as far as just getting uh, you know things organized and kind of building this team and. You know, there are some certain guys that you had to kind of massage and deal with. I, I think that is now gone, and I feel like this team is very drama-free going into this 2017 season. Yeah, and I'll go with a phrase we've heard time and again um, just with interviews with players and coaches, and it's quiet confidence. Um, you know, this is a team that is uh, really under the radar nationally. Not a lot of expectations. I mean, we've seen it with the Vegas prognostications and, um, you know, just the national media kind of skipping over Nebraska when it comes to the Big Ten West. But uh, this team truly believes they are significantly better than what everybody else thinks. And I think that they're just kind of chomping at the bit right now uh, to go out there and prove it on an actual game day. I totally agree with the confidence part, and uh, you know, I would I, I would kind of say that th th this team feels closer than maybe some teams in the past. You know, maybe not quite as many clicks on the team. You know, when you when you talk with some guys and bring up the word competition, 
they're always quick to say, whoa, 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 this is it's not a competition. We're all just working together to get better. And I'm sure they've probably been coached on that because it's been far too common of a theme from so many different players. But I, I, I believe it. I, I mean, I, from the way the players have been talking about, um, you know, practice and being put in pushing one another, but, um, you know, wanting to learn from one another and help each other out. I, I just feel like this is a pretty tight knit group. Robin, who's your hypothetical starting five the beginning of the year versus the end of the year going into the Big Ten tournament? Okay, hypothetically speaking, I'm leaving out Isaac Copeland just because there is no decision yet on his eligibility. And as of now, he is not eligible. So that being said, uh, clearly Glenn Watson is your starting point guard. I'm going to go with James Palmer uh, as your two guard. Um, I'm going to go with... Okay, maybe just do like a, a combo guard, two guard spot with Evan Taylor and James Palmer. And so there's three. And then your four, that's kind of the intriguing spot there. Um, I, I would probably assume Isaiah Roby will be that guy. Could be Jack McVeigh. Um, and then your center, obviously, is Jordy Shimonga. And then when Copeland returns to the lineup, uh, I just basically swap out Roby for Isaac Copeland. Who has the better season, the offense or the defense? That's a great – I mean, that, that really is a great question because I think it could go a number of different ways um, either side. But I, I think this offense is going to really – improve a ton um in in just the efficiency categories the completion percentage um and and what tanner lee brings so i mean honestly guys the defense wasn't all that bad last year statistically they had about two bad games uh, oregon was a bad game and they pulled it out but really the ohio state the iowa game and then the bowl game um were the ones they played really poorly and they weren't terrible a year ago. Um, they just couldn't play with those elite-level offenses. I think this offense is what held Nebraska back a lot last year, and I think they're going to take a huge step forward. One thing that I think could really change the dynamic of the defense, like you said, Sean, they were better than you know most people remember. Uh, I think the emphasis on creating turnovers is going to make a huge difference in just the overall, um, I guess, outcome of games. I think you know Nebraska really struggled taking the ball away last year, uh, and I think that's been emphasis number one since Bob Diaco took over. Uh, they, I mean, just stripping the ball, going up their interceptions, basically doing anything to knock the ball loose and create turnovers has been. Key huge uh, and not only just get creating turnovers they make the guys run across the field once they scoop the ball up and score so they're creating that mentality of scoop and score uh, create turnovers and score off those turnovers and so I think that that this kind of new mentality of you know wreaking havoc um, with the football on defense is going to create um, some opportunities for some big time plays from this defense so I think in that regard um, you know there, there's a pretty high potential for you know some some big time plays out of this defense. And I agree with that, Robin, but I'm going to go with the offense here. I, I think that we're going to see an offense that, that runs smoothly, efficiently, um, and can sustain drives. Uh, you know, a lot of times in the past, we, we kind of – I felt like things were kind of disjointed and, and um, you know, maybe even Danny Langsdorf was struggling, you know, as as far as picking a play to, to call in a certain situation because he knew what he would like to call, but he was had to try and tailor it to his personnel. Well, now they have the personnel that they, they want and need, and I think it's going to run uh, extremely smooth this fall. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, and we have intern David Eichold here with the mailbag. Who will surprise for the Huskers this season that nobody's really talking about? Uh, J.D. Spielman, I think, is going to – electrify people at times. I think his ability to do things in space um, is going to be a surprise 
I'm trying to think on defense if I was going to throw a name out there. Um, I think Mick Stoltenberg is going to be better than people even realize. I mean, we know he's had flashes the last two years, but I think his improvement, his value to this defense, it's going to be even bigger than people realize. I'm going to kind of stick with that theme on defense. And he's been talked about. I mean, he was one of the representatives at Media Day. But I think Chris Weber is going to be in for a huge statistical season. I mean, I think he has the potential to rack up triple-digit tackles this year. Um, he is the clear leader of this defense. And just kind of because of his personality, uh, he doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Uh, but I think that with the, the uh, I guess, responsibilities and importance that this defense is placing on him to be the quarterback out there on the field, make every single adjustment, every single call, and his mental capabilities of handling that, um, uh, he's in line for just a huge year. And I think when all is said and done, he will be in the conversation for some all-conference accolades. You took my guy, Robin. Uh, <laughs> thank you. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go on the offensive side of the football uh, and say Tyler Hoppus. Uh, this is a guy that that really hasn't hasn't done a whole lot of anything on the on the football field yet. Has not had a chance to really shine. Uh, but I think that he's going to play a huge role in this offense, and the the kind of the chemistry he has with Tanner Lee uh, is going to pay off in a big way. He's gonna he's gonna uh, really have a good season. What's your boldest prediction for the Husker football season? Boldest prediction? I think Nebraska beats both Wisconsin and Iowa. God, I was actually going to say they beat Wisconsin, so I take that one off. Uh, I will say they will have their first 1,000-yard wide receiver. Who is it going to be? If I had to guess, I'll say Stanley Morgan. They, but they, they will well, we, finally break that mark. Nate, did we take yours already? <laughs> yeah, we did. Poor Nate. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I agree with both those things. I, I think the um, – boy, I, I got to piggyback off you guys. I, I, I really do think that we're going to see the first 1,000-yard receiver, and I think it's going to be Stanley Morgan. You know, that's that's probably my, my safest bet right now. Just like what he said. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. You're, you're like the, <laughs> following up with that. You're like the double player guest on Big Red Wrap Up when <laughs> the one player is like really good and then the other guy just yep. pig, piggybacks off that guy. But we got time for one more. What do you got, Sean? Everybody wants to know what was your motivation for quieting down the haters with the vertical video? <laughs> just the doubters. I mean, now we didn't do it in a gym, but we were in a football field on field turf. As my quote said, my shirt was tucked in. I was wearing a belt. I got up. If, if you didn't see this on Husker Online. I have a claim that I can still touch the rim at age 37. I weigh about 230 pounds and no one believed me. So I had with, the, sh with, with his belt on and shirt tucked in. So the interns um, videotaped me touching the 10 foot crossbar and it wasn't just a graze. I mean, it was a pretty good hand slap on the 10 foot crossbar. It was, you got, you got a good hit on it. And it was, uh, it was improv. It wasn't planned out. You just said, you know what? It's time for me to step up to the plate and do it. Even my two best friends from high school, um, we're both fairly impressed. <laughs> they, said they, they, they wouldn't have thought I could do it. So, but well, possibly now everyone wants to do a fundraiser on the board. If I somebody could, seriously said they would donate a thousand dollars to the St. Jude, yeah, St. Jude Shulman's hospital if I touch the rim, yeah. So well, might, we have to set that up. Yeah, let's get this going. Yeah, and you can't wear those shoes with the springs on the the, the, the yeah, no, trainer's no back. Strength, no the vertical shoes. boosting shoes or whatever those are. <laughs> well, I did. <laughs> That's all that matters. But <laughs> hopefully uh, we will maybe get that done one day here. So, but yeah. hey, David, thanks a lot. And when we come back, we'll close the show with Nate Klaus. We'll talk some recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 
And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, final segment here of the program as we talk recruiting. And Nate, you know, it was funny. We taped the show last week, and of course, right after we get off the air, uh, some breaking news happens as Nebraska loses a commit. Manny Allen, you know, it's a week old now. We don't want to get too deep into this storyline and kind of how it all played out. But um, first of all, I'm just going to ask you point blank. Did Nebraska kind of cut ties with Manny Allen? Because this the way it played out this past week, the four-star out of California, um, you know, it just seemed like a deal where Nebraska kind of cut bait and moved on. Yeah, I'll say that it was a mutual parting of ways. Uh, that's probably the best way to put it. I, th- I think that both parties kind of recognize that maybe this – relationship wasn't going to go too far or that it was not working out and uh, and I think they both went their separate ways and, and I think that's a large part of why Manny Allen not only decommitted but automatically flipped his commitment because he went to um, you know went to pick a, an option that was still on the table for him immediately uh, you know that way he wouldn't risk getting left out in the dark so to speak so um but yeah i think there were some red flags that kind of came up uh throughout the process and and uh you know this is a kid who has now made three commitments um you know usc nebraska louisville now he was uh he's been at three or four different high schools his fourth high school yeah three three commitments yeah exactly so um yeah it's and and there's some other things that kind of happened that uh i think that keith williams you know has has had his some trials and tribulations with with some of the the whiteouts that he's recruited since coming to nebraska and i think that he kind of was taking some some inventory of of some things and paying attention to some some potential red flags and and i think they just decided to move on from one another yeah it's funny as we talk receivers with nate klaus um you know, you mentioned the guys that have kind of fizzled out with Keith Williams, but, you know, Mike Riley, he was a big advocate for J.D. Spielman, Cameron Brown. Those are the guys that are still yeah. here. You know, so this is big for Keith. He's got to get, I mean, they, they have, we said this last year, we said this year before, they've got to get bodies at receiver. I mean, it, it when you're working in so many walk-ons right now and you're, you're top six, it's just not gonna win you in the win big games. Well, it, it's risky. I mean, you you can't afford any injuries then uh, when when you're coming up short one or two guys, um, you know, several years in a row. You you start to feel it on your roster, and, and that's kind of what happened. You know, uh, not only did they um, were they in on some big guys that decided to go elsewhere, but you, you've had guys like. Uh, um, Oh, Darian Grimm, who transferred out of the program right away. Uh, you, you've got currently you've got Keyshawn Johnson Jr., whose status is somewhat in limbo and, and isn't on campus at this point in time. So, um, you know, this is this is a big year. Then McQuitty gets hurt. Yeah, McQuitty gets hurt. So, um, but the good news is is that they have two solid commitments in Joshua Moore and Cameron Brown, and it's August. It, it, the official visits have not started yet, and there are a lot of wide receivers that are interested in Nebraska. Over a dozen high-profile type kids that, that are probably going to be all visiting Nebraska. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if there were eight, four, and five-star type wideouts that are, that make their way to Lincoln this fall. It's kind of just a deal, Nate. I think when you're a stargazer, like a lot of our subscribers are, that you, know, you want the four-star guy in the class. Well, they've let go of Eric Fuller. They've let go of Manny Allen now. Uh, I think that's probably where people probably have the hardest time is like just – kind of letting go of a four-star guy well yeah it's tough to swallow especially when you're paying attention to the the team recruiting rankings and you know when you lose a four-star guy you know a top top 250 type talent 
uh, you take a hit in the team rankings. Uh, you not only do you lose a talented player, but uh, all of a sudden they, your your standing in the the team rankings kind of tumbles. So, um, but again, I think they're in they're still in good shape. I think there's still a lot out there uh, for them to get. And and now you know with the season starting, it, it'll be fun to to kind of see how things come together for those final two spots. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting here on the Husker Online Show, Nate, uh, opening weekend here in Nebraska for high school football as. Uh, want to hit on a couple things early that have already jumped out. Uh, I guess I want to start with Xavier Betts at Bellevue West, 2020 wide receiver, correct? Correct. Uh, played as a true freshman, a high school freshman, not a true freshman, <laughs> uh, on a state championship team, but just lit it up opening night. Um, Bellevue West, I think their quarterback set an 11-man uh, record with four hundred uh, with 11, seven touchdowns, four hundred and forty six yards passing, and Xavier Betts uh, was the primary target. Yeah, he's this is a kid to to pay attention to. Um, he, only being a sophomore, he's he's setting himself up to to kind of rewrite some of the record books as far as receiving career receiving uh, goes in the state of Nebraska. I think that he's not only is he playing in the right system, but he's a tremendous talent. You know, there, there aren't too many kids who are, you know, probably just turning 16, maybe still 15. I don't know where he's at, but he's a sophomore in high school and he looks like he's a senior. I mean, he's 6'2", 190 pounds or so, uh, very, very physical, muscular kid that can run. Uh, and was impressive this summer at the the state seven on seven tournament. Just absolutely tore it up there, and then the very next day he came back to Lincoln um, and and went in there, competed in their skills uh, camp that that Friday. Um, you know, I wish he would have probably stayed for Friday night lights because I would have liked to have kind of sized him up against other wide receivers that were in town uh, for that big night, but. Uh, the bottom line is that this is definitely a talent that Nebraska is going to be taking a long, hard look uh, at. He's already on their radar, but especially after what he did last night and what he's probably going to be continuing to do now for the next three seasons, I, I think that uh, Nebraska is definitely going to be uh, taking a long, hard look for an offer for this kid. And, Nate, we also had a couple commits already played last weekend. Uh, I believe in uh, Missouri they opened up last week, uh, week zero games, um, so you've already got a taste of some of these guys, uh, and, and they'll play, obviously, all of the commits, I think, open up this weekend. Yeah, all the commits open up this weekend. You did have, um, you know, CBC in St. Louis, they played, but Cameron Brown was held out uh, because of uh, concussion protocol, but he's he's cleared to, to play this week. Uh, and you had Mario Goodrich, who, um, you know, helped his team defeat Blue Springs South, and he had a, had a heck of a night. He's kind of a, a do-it-all player, just like we, just like we kind of expected. You know, he he had uh, he, he carried the football, he caught the football, had an interception, uh, scored I think at least one or two touchdowns. So um, I mean, this is a kid. I think he's poised to have a huge senior season and and probably um, you know compete for the Simone Award there in Kansas City area. Sean Callahan, Nate Class, as we talk recruiting here on the Husker Online Show, and Nate Buki, Radley Hiles, and. His highly touted IMG Academy squad, they will be on TV this weekend, correct? Yeah, they'll be playing on ESPNU Saturday night, I believe 7.30 Central time. Uh, so if you want to check out uh, Buki, um, and, and not just Buki, but a whole host of other Nebraska targets, uh, they're going to be playing against Chandler, Arizona, in Arizona. I know they, they fly out to, uh, to Arizona on fr Friday morning, and then um, you know they'll, they'll be playing out there on a nationally televised game. 
game. And, and that's not going to be the only time they're on national TV. I, th- I think they're scheduled to be on TV uh, another at least two or three more times this season. But um, if, if you're not watching the Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor fight, uh, you can definitely check out uh, you know Buki and, and kind of see what he has up his sleeves because I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that he's going to be putting on a show this year. I, I think that he's right on the cusp of being a five-star prospect for rivals uh, just four spots away and he's definitely locked in and focused on on proving that he's arguably the top player in the country so uh, I'm really excited to see what what uh, what he does this year um, you know and and I know there's still a lot of talk about what's going on with Buki and, and everything but I'm still uh, very confident that he's going to end up in Lincoln and, and sign early in December well, there'll be a lot to talk about next week. We begin our game week shows uh, as we give you comprehensive previews uh, going into each game. Uh, but that wraps it up here for this edition of the Husker Online Show. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 